All right. I guess I'll just have to have my own celebration, won't I? Since nobody else seems to be here. That's fine. I'm an only child. I got no problem celebrating by myself. Look at this. Look at this. Look at that. Cheap salami. That's what Chris Jericho gets. Bunch of crap. Look at olives. Look at this. Look. This olives are nothing in there. And look at this one. There's a little guy in there. Can't even get proper olives, can you? What else we got? Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to Cheap Podcast, the Laser Time Network's unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling. I am your host, Matthew All Out. Who is here with me? And I am your other host, T.L. Banks. Uh, of course, I said my name right there, Matthew All Out. So this episode is really for us to talk about uh, the recent AEW All Out pay-per-view that occurred over Labor Day weekend, as well as NXT TakeOver UK, which, which occurred uh, Saturday of Labor Day weekend. So... We wanted to kind of give you guys another free episode, a review of these. Uh, we might not go as long or kind of do everything we tend to do uh, like like we did for the last full episode, but we'll try. We, we, we got some ideas here. So, um, TL, I, you know, did you, did you get a chance to, to catch up and watch both events? So I didn't get to see all of NXT UK Cardiff um, like I wanted to. Um, I, I, I It was still fine and definitely we're going to talk about that, uh, but I was really trying, I was really interested in All Out because I have been very critical, uh, both in person and I think even on the podcast about AEW. And I will say this without getting into our show, I understand it now. I understand why it seems a lot different. Yeah, I, uh, I think I know what you're talking about. I think you messaged me right afterwards and it's like, both of us were, I think, searching for the storylines. Like, like AEW has amazing athletic matchups and, and frankly, really good matches. But we just didn't... I don't think either of us really understood the why behind a lot of the matches other than, well, this might be a dream match or these are two guys who match up really well together and, and will put on a hell of a match. And I think this is the first show that... In some of the matches, I think it's fair to say the storyline might have overshadowed the match itself, or one in particular that I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, do you want to dive in with uh, the feature that we like to call Around the Wrestling World? All right. Well, Matt, have you been to any steakhouse lately, Matt? <laughs> I I have not been to a steakhouse. Uh, although, man, I wish I would have because I might have might have stumbled upon a championship belt if rumors served. Yes. Uh, so Chris Jericho lost his AEW championship belt, which we'll talk about in a little bit. At a steak, was it a steakhouse in Tallahassee, Florida? Well, so I couldn't figure out where in Florida it was, but yes, it was a steakhouse in Florida. And there's actually some mixed reports now. So the original reports on this were that Chris Jericho misplaced, let's say he misplaced, uh, the cha- the new, all new AEW championship belt at a Longhorn Steakhouse. Um, 
and he he got ribbed, uh, rightly so, uh, by the likes, including of people like Cody Rhodes, who said he he preferred Outback Steakhouse. But um, uh, yeah, so the reports were initially that that Jericho, after he was enjoying some of the bubbly, uh, went <laughs> went out for a nice steak and uh, and yeah, misplaced the belt while there. Uh, and so at first, it was being reported that someone might have stolen the belt, uh, and Jericho cut. One of my favorite promos, probably my favorite promo this year, of himself alone in a jacuzzi wearing a silk scarf that was hanging in the water with his hat on and just a lone pinwheel in the background. And that's really what sets the scene for me is just that one lone pinwheel. Like someone was like, you know, we, we really need some set dressing. Uh, Grab that pinwheel. And he cut a promo basically saying, you know, he would he would start an investigation and I will find the person responsible for this. And um, it is one of my favorite promos. The best part probably is he has he has a bottle of the bubbly, the champagne, and he pours it in the glass and then sets the glass aside and drinks directly from the bottle. It's such a subtle move. If you're not looking for it, you might not have even noticed, but it's fucking hilarious. Dude. It, it makes it makes the promo and it, it is further proof why Jericho might be one of he might be the goat he might be like the secret goat yeah no I, he's definitely i don't know he's definitely the probably like the best wrestler of this generation i've, I've been saying that for years and like i'm a i'm a jericho stan obviously and yeah i, I take it you are too matt yeah i, I love jericho I, I mean i even like some of his fozzy's songs man like i i think um in terms of like his ring work and all that stuff to be honest, I, I I think it's really, really good, but he's not my favorite wrestler. Right. There's what I really love about Jericho is he he has a way of sort of picking up on pop culture trends or something and making himself viral. Um, and he, he's done it for the past few years. Like if you think of think of the bubbly or you think of the list, uh, Jericho just has a way about him of kind of latching on to the catchphrase or something and, and, and redefining himself and he's like a walking meme now but it, not like not that he's a joke it's just like he there's something about him that people latch on to and um, yeah I, I think uh, I think he's one of he's definitely one of my favorites of all time now yeah uh, it, he's just oh, he's just so good so yeah so Chris Jericho he loses his belt he has it back all 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 uh, matter is being, uh, you know, is being out there. And hey, they even announced his first opponent for the belt at the next AEW pay per view. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is uh, what is it, full gear? Full gear. Yeah. Hey, so we're finally done with the card in Vegas puns. Uh, so yes, <laughs> yes. And now we we move on to car puns because WWE fast lane. Apparently, they really like that. Yeah. Um, yeah his first opponent's going to be Cody Rhodes. Real quick though, we we should circle back. Uh, so the resolution of oh, this yeah, story yeah, yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. was the uh, Tallahassee police uh, took a picture and they found the bell and returned it to him. So all is right and good in the world. Jer- apparently, Jericho's investigation worked. Um, but then there are reports saying the person who found it found it in like a velvet bag on the side of the road in Tallahassee. But from them, what it looks like might've happened was someone like the driver of the car might've put the belt like on the trunk or the roof and driven off and it fell off just in the road is that is, that is kind of the current theory of what actually happened to the belt. And at this point, I can't even tell if this is a work or not. If it, it seems like something that really happened that they just, 
they turned into a work and it became a phenomenon and wrestling fans can't stop talking about it and it's really funny yeah no this is super great uh it's like i said i can't wait i i was i i honestly i i just i don't know if you can just give a guy a title forever but I absolutely would not be okay. I would not be mad if Chris Jericho was just forever the AEW champion. Yeah, actually, we're going to talk about that when we get to our review mm-hmm. uh, of All Out. Because, yeah, I know there's there's a bit of controversy about actually giving Jericho the belt. But this is a little bit of teaser. We'll talk about that soon. Next up in our news coverage, NXT is coming to the USA Network and is going to be a two-hour show. And apparently the first few episodes are going to have one hour on WWE Network and then the other hour on USA. Uh, what do you think about this, too? Okay, so I have been um, on one mind of this, actually, going forward, and it's it's a good thing. And let me say why. Now, I know a lot of people are very hesitant to have uh, Vincent Man like, the, the fear is Vincent Man is going to take over these shows. However, um, I remember, and I'm not sure if you remember this, if you are watching AC at the time, Matt, when they first hit their first takeover show outside of Orlando and Kevin Owens cuts a really big promo on the fans because the fans were very like very vocally upset because NXT was our Florida baby and he said like this is the way to actually make it grow and like it or not like people don't want to like admit it or not NXT is a third brand like it is legitimately up there with SmackDown and Raw and it should be on USA and it should be treated like a third brand. It is the third show and it's like quite honestly the hottest thing that WWE does and I have no problem with them showing it to a bigger audience. And Wednesday night's going to be a great night for professional wrestling and I don't know. I just think it's good. But what are, what are your thoughts about it? So I agree with you that uh, it is a third brand. Um I mean, it's a fourth if you even consider 205 Live as a brand. Uh, so, yeah, I think the way they've been running it, it's almost like a separate promotion within WWE's kind of overall wheelhouse. Um, I think when you have a brand, you want to grow a brand. And so the way to grow it is to bring it to a mainstream network like USA. Now, I do have some caveats. Uh, number one, I think for people like me, removing NXT from WWE Network exclusively actually takes away a little bit of the value of the network. Like it was one of the things that keeps me as a subscriber because NXT is so compelling and is so must watch. Right. Now, I also have Hulu, so I do get access to it that way, but it's uh, with a little bit of a, a delay. So yeah, for me, the, it, it does take a little bit of value from that. Um, I don't buy into the Vince is going to ruin this thing, especially because I believe Triple H has gone on record being like, now this is my baby. Yep. Uh, I'm going to run it. My other kind of caveat uh, and a little bit of trepidation is the fact that it is now going to be a two-hour show. One of my favorite things about NXT is the one-hour format. I think one hour is kind of the perfect length for a wrestling show like this. Um, it's just enough time to accomplish what you need to, but it's not too much time where it starts to drag and go on. I think Raw, it's no secret, really suffers from the fact that it's such a long show. Um, two hours is better, you know, obviously, than three or four hour shows, so that's fine. But but uh, yeah, I, I get a little worried in, in changing the format from a one hour to a two hour show. Now, I will say this though, like one hour is great, 
two hours is actually sort of the magic number for big wrestling network television shows. Like if you think of like Raw when it's at its hottest, it's like, yeah, you know, okay, two hours you can, you can get stuff done. So maybe it'll be a good thing. Um, I'm just that's that's the only thing I'm like, oh, I don't I don't know how I feel about this. But uh, overall, I think it's a positive thing. I think the performers on the NXT brand are excited. I think. Instead of thinking of NXT as the minor leagues, this definitely just make it positions them as more of this alternate brand, like you said, TL. And now you can you can get more creative with your contracts of your talent, and it makes more sense if it's like, I mean, you know, the talent they probably even though it's you're not supposed to tell people what you make and what your contracts like, I'm sure they kind of know. And so it might be weird if it's like, well, why is this guy in NXT making more than this guy in the main roster? But if everyone's on network television. That completely makes sense now. So I think there's all kinds of like behind the scenes things that this could change and actually be a benefit to WWE. So yeah, overall, I'm, I'm positive on it, um, but just a little bit, let's say I'm cautiously optimistic because of the length thing. All right. Uh, you know what might make it a little bit better for you though, Matt? What's that? If the realest guys in the room came back to NXT... Uh, I think you misspoke and said better instead of worse. Ah, uh, you're right. <laughs> and I think I think Triple H might agree with me because he was so quick to shoot down the rumors of Cass and Enzo returning to NXT. It was just like, nope, not happening. And, you know, it's wrestling, and so never say never. Right. But very rarely do you hear some guy just going on record and just being right away being like, nope, that's not even a possibility. And Triple H just immediately was like, yep, nope, we're not even entertaining that. I, you know, don't even want to talk about it. I don't it. even understand, like, uh, and I've seen people say, like, Cass, I've, I'm sorry, um, you have said your thing about Baron Corbin, which, by the way, I'm being proven right every day as it keeps going forward. Um, but I, I've, Cass is a big dude. But he's not. Like, he's just a tall, skinny dude. He's never had a really great offense. I don't understand the appeal with him whatsoever. I think Enzo is god-fucking-awful. Um, so I didn't understand why people were even entertaining this. Um, and I don't know what WWE would get for bringing back Enzo and Cass, other than the fact that, oh, we have Enzo and Cass. When there are other people on the main roster that were NXT alums who would, like, benefit from coming back to NXT and actually be able to do their stuff. Like, the Ascension used to be dope. Like, and it's funny for me to say that because, like, they're a joke, but the Ascension were great. Like, bring them back to NXT. This, it, it, I have no idea why that was even a thing. Well, who was I standing for that I wanted back in NXT was American Alpha. Bring them back. So, I think, I think people might have been getting excited because, um, it could inject some excitement into the NXT tag division. Uh, I will admit, I marked out for, for Enzo and Cass when they were in NXT. And it was really, it was mostly, you know, Enzo's shenanigans that I think turned a lot of people off to them as a team. I think Cass, obviously, he did, he did some shit too. He seems to have kind of made amends and, and is kind of doing what he needs to to get back. Like, I actually, I think there is a possibility that Cass could eventually return to WWE. I I don't think Enzo there is. He just – he's talking way too much and that's kind of the one thing you're really not supposed to do when you leave um, unless you're maybe like John Moxley level or CM Punk level. Uh, but yeah, but Enzo has been talking whereas Cass is, is pretty quiet, you know. And so yeah, I, I think potentially he could eventually make it back but the team of Enzo and Cass, mm, 
Never say never because it's wrestling. I I wouldn't bet on it. It's just I, I've always found Enzo like he's that dude. So I've been I'm very much like an ad, not an attitude era guy. I think the attitude era is very highly overrated. I, I think I've said it multiple times on here before, but he's the dude where the like Enzo's a guy who's like who is a wrestler who started like watching wrestling in the attitude era and just thinks that's what wrestling is forever. It's like the Abraham Washington incident from back in the day. Uh, I, I, I mean, I just think I do think Enzo cuts a good promo. Like you can't take that away from him. He's he is money on the mic. I think his ring work leaves a lot to be desired. I you know his his whole deal and his dynamic in a tag team is he's the small guy that is supposed to get beat up on and then get the hot tag for Cass to come in and make the save. But even then, just like he has no offense whatsoever. It's yeah. Once he actually starts performing, like Enzo is the kind of guy that like if managers were still a thing, like I think he could be a money manager of some teams, but they're not outside of maybe NXT, you know, right. like, well, I mean, was, they just hired two, two people literally just to be managers. And that was uh, Robbie E, uh, Rob, Rob Echoes, who was in the movie, the wrestler. And then of course my boy, Malcolm Bevins, um, uh, to be manager. So maybe managers are coming back. Maybe that's where Enzo is going. I would love it. I think that's one of the reasons WWE has trouble getting heels over is part of a good heel is having a manager be kind of your mouthpiece, you know, is uh, especially if you're like a silent monster heel, you know. And I know that they try to get guys like Braun Strowman to to talk more. Um, but if you look at like who is one of the most over heels in WWE, it's Brock Lesnar. And what does Brock have? He has a mouthpiece. He has Paul right. Heyman. You know, that's like, Andre the Giant. You know, he who he had Bobby Heenan. Uh, and so you you got to with some of those guys, it's just better if they have that manager kind of doing the talking, so they can be the strong, silent type and superimposing. And it, the second you make them talk too much, it takes away from some of that mystique. You know, like. I'll be honest, I don't think Kane ever should have talked. Like, if, if you're going to maintain that Kane character, like, the silent dude behind the mask is way, way more scary than, like, Kane who yeah. talks. You know, it's, it's, it made Even it when Kane took off the mask originally, because remember he didn't talk when he originally took off the mask, and he just, his visuals were so great, right? And it was just like, oh. Yeah, oh. yeah. But, you know, some wrestlers who were heels can talk, can also have managers thinking of you know classy Freddie Blassie uh, with people he managed and JJ Dillon managed probably one of the greatest talkers of all time Ric Flair and Ric Flair is trying to get paid by one of his phrases that's being co-opted by the hottest thing in professional wrestling right now yeah well he says it's being co-opted and he says it's his phrase and I think that's where WWE might take exception because honestly this phrase that Ric Flair is going after the man you know, which of course is his signature to be the man. You got to beat the man. Um, really, WWE just has the man with with Becky the Man Lynch right, right now. Um, I don't think you can claim the man. There's so the man is just a term that's been in sports forever. Yeah. Probably uh, it had to have been before. Well, Ric that's Flair. the whole. I mean, that's the Ric Flair line, right? To be the man, you have to beat the man. And she's saying that she was the man. It was. And she talked about it on So Cold Steve Austin's show. She came out and was like, "I just posted on Instagram." I'm the man, and that Charlotte had to beat her because she, like, she was the man, and it just became a thing. Um, and I, I don't, so I don't understand where Rick. I love Rick Flair. Rick Flair is my favorite wrestler uh, of all time, 
but I don't understand where he's coming with with this. Like, it's very weird. I mean, I, I know where he's coming from. I think he Rick's financial troubles are well documented in, in public. So I think Rick wants to get paid and, and he needs to get paid. Um, and yeah, it, it makes sense that he would do this. I just don't think he has much legal ground to stand on. I, I don't think I know he says he has trademark like the the line to be the man. You got to beat the man. But Becky is, has since kind of moved on from having the man just refer to that. Like it's – for me, I don't even think of that when I think of Becky the man Lynch. For me, it's just like, no, she's the man. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's like Kobe and Shaq used to argue who's the man on the Lakers. You know, like it, that's just a, an expression that this to me feels a little bit desperate. It feels like Rick trying to stir some things up to get his name out there, which he's a master at. You know, he's – like you said, he's a master talker um, and this is a great way to get publicity and interest perhaps from a promotion such as AEW. Who knows? Uh, I think it would be super awkward if you're Charlotte because you're still kind of a top person there at the company that he is uh, bad-mouthing. But um, – you know, Rick has had an on-again, off-again relationship with WWE over the years, and he's always managed to kind of come back into the fold. So I, I think this will get smoothed over eventually. I, If I'm WWE, though, I'm not about to give up a percentage or any kind of cut of, you know, merchandise sales of, of Becky Lynch, uh, the man stuff. Like, no, man. Like, no thanks. No, you're absolutely right. Oh, by the way. Buddy Rogers called, and he would like his royalties from the nature. Yeah, board. remember when Scott Snyder basically called uh, Ric Flair a a uh, a dried up, wrinkled up version of Buddy Rose? Like, yeah, is it Buddy Rose or is it Buddy? Is sorry, it, Buddy, is Buddy it, Rogers. It's Buddy, Buddy Rogers was sorry, the nature yeah, Buddy, boy. Nature boy, Buddy Rogers. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, which which so that's that's the thing. It's like, hey, dude, um, I don't think you have much ground to stand on because your entire gimmick was someone else's gimmick. Now. Ric Flair is hardly the first wrestler who's done that. Right. Like there, there are signature gimmicks that wrestlers will just kind of reuse over the years. So, you know, that argument isn't 100% valid. But it's also like, dude, yeah, maybe those in glass houses shouldn't cast stones, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a, there, there's a straight line between, you know, MGF to The Miz to Ric Flair to, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that kind of pompous, like, heel. It, there's a straight line to that, so... Obviously, there's a there's a tree, uh, but you know what kind of hill I haven't seen a lot, Matt. Who's that? Uh, it's a hill that a hill that hugs. Uh, <laughs> Bailey went full on heel. Yeah, and I kind of loved it. It it was about damn time. Uh, I think I had mentioned on a previous episode that the Bailey experiment just wasn't really working. It had lost a lot of steam. I I think we were talking. It was in relation to uh, her SummerSlam match. It's like, what is, what am I supposed to care about this Bailey character right now? And then of course Sasha made her return. Um, knock on wood, she doesn't get injured. I think we have to say that every time we mention Sasha's name, unfortunately. Um, and of course she kind of needs a stable now. And one of the people that can be in the stable, uh, is, is of course Bailey. And, and I think this adds so much to Bailey. Uh, it gets so much heat on her. I love it. I, I love it when, you can't always do it, but I do love it when like a crowd favorite, just like a true baby face goes heel. Um, because yeah, it's just like, you, it's really easy to hate that person right away. It's like, what? How dare you? So yeah, right. I, I think, I think she needed it. Um, it's not too surprising to me. I'm glad it happened. I am really looking forward to how this will play out because you know, down the line, of course, her and Sasha will eventually feud again and turn against each other. And Bailey hopefully will be the face 
in that situation. But can you imagine, like, this could set up some things of, you know, Sasha going face again against a heel Bailey. I don't think we've ever seen that. Right. Well, no, we haven't seen that. And I also think what she did was the actual face move. Right. And it's one of the weird things about wrestling. It's like when your friends do something, you as a, as a, as a good guy, if it's not 100% real, like, well, I would never, I, I will turn my back on my friend for the right thing. And I don't know. Like, I think Bailey attacking Becky Lynch, who's done nothing but harass her friend online, like, I don't know. I think that was the, I, I think that's the actual good guy move of just like, Hey, no, fuck you. Like, that's my best friend. Yeah. And I might not have, I might not have agreed what she did, but she's my best friend. That is, I think that might be a recent wrestling phenomenon of the heel who's actually right. Um, I mean, no, I guess that's not all that recent, but it just feels more recent lately of like the Daniel Bryans of the world where it's like the stuff he's saying to the crowd is like basically like he's just doing it because he knows it'll get at Smarks, but it totally makes him a heel. Uh, like like his environmental message. Like people just have a ton of heat and hatred on him whenever he goes like super environmentalist and all this stuff. And it's like, but yeah, I love that new dynamic of like, well, technically the heel is right in this case, but it's just their arrogance and the way they go about being right. And that's what makes them the heel. Like I think that that's the nuance and that's what you need, you know? So hopefully Bailey can pull that off. Right. Like Jer- Jericho is another master of that. Like when he's, you know, when he puts on that heel persona, he's right. It's just people hate it because he's an asshole about being right. You know, he's super arrogant. And that's, that's more what people hate. They'd love to hate even more. Right. Well, and it's the, it's the Sami Zayn stuff now, right? Yes. Like Sami Zayn's yeah. like, he's like, he's like, you guys are just like being assholes because it's wrestling and you could be assholes. It's like, no, you're absolutely right with what you're saying. Or, or the Miz, the Miz is a master of this. Like the stuff he said to Daniel Bryan about getting hurt and stuff like that. Like, oh, it was the I, truth. But like, damn, dude, like the way he went about it was like, oh my god, it was so great. I, I was just like, I, I, I watch that promo every so often because it's just, it's so perfect. It is, it is because it feels it's real, so perfect, and that's the key. Yes. Like you got to feel real because in real life. I can believe that the Miz is sort of an asshole. Like I think, you know, uh, any good right. wrestling character, like they say, is really just an exaggeration of their persona. Like Randy Orton, I guarantee you, is is almost a hundred percent like his his on screen persona in real life, just toned down a little bit. Yeah, the yeah. Miz, Miz is like that too. Yeah. So moving on, let's get into our reviews of these two shows. How about we start with NXT Takeover UK Cardiff? All right. Here we go, opening match. We have Noam Dar versus Travis Banks. T.L. Banks. T.L. Banks. Uh, um, this match, I think it was a perfectly fine opener. Uh, I think um, it was really great to see these guys. A high-energy match, some really good stuff. But it, there was nothing particularly memorable about it. Um, for me, it was just a really solid three. Oh, yeah. As a reminder, that's our rating scale. We don't do stars around here. We do macho. Oh, yes. So, uh, yeah, I think this match was, was a solid three. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, how much Travis Banks have you seen wrestle, Matt? Not a ton. Not a ton. Okay. Travis Banks is a really good wrestler. He's an Aussie uh, wrestler who kind of got based out of the UK. Um, stayed there for a while. I, I'm a huge Travis Banks guy, but ever since being in NXT UK, and it's not through any faults of himself, through, you know, injuries and such, I don't think he's ever got a chance to do what he's needed to have done. 
uh, which is a bummer because I think Travis Banks could be like a, like a, you know, a really top star, especially in these NXT brands. Um, I'm very interested to see what they're going to do with him net, uh, more. I think Noam Dar, how do I say this without destructing Noam Dar fans? I think he's a really good young talent, but I think that he needs to mature some. He's a guy who needs to be baked in the oven just a little bit more. Yeah, I think the rep the rep against Noam Dar is that he so far hasn't had a great match in NXT. Like he's had lots of very good matches, but he hasn't. I, I shouldn't say that he hasn't necessarily uh, lived up to his potential so far in NXT. Right. This, this match was very, very much along those lines. It was probably one of his best matches there. But yeah, you just you wanted him to do a little bit more because you think he can do more. Yeah. Moving on, we have Cesaro going up against. I know I'm going to say this wrong. Ilya Dragunov. Let's let's just say that the you man did a, you did a good job with that. The man with the red eyes, um, dude. So this match, I'll be honest, started very slow for me. I love Cesaro. I think Cesaro is great. I think he's got killer body. He's super strong. Like all the stuff you see about him, he's, he's just he's amazing. He's tall. Um, I think he's you know. He could use a little bit of work with with promos and stuff, but I think WWE has done a great job of kind of smoothing that over about his character and kind of exposing him in the right way. I love when the big guys come down from like the main roster and give a little rub on the NXT guys, and this is a perfect example of that. Now, the match sort of started out really slow, and I wasn't really into it, and then it just kept going, and it got more compelling, and I was like, oh, what are they... What are they doing here? They're making because at first you think, oh, okay, Cesaro might squash this guy, or even even if it is a thing like, oh, he might give this guy some shine, make him look good. They kept this match going so long, and there were so many near falls and so many good spots. And Cesaro spun that dude for like two minutes straight. It was insane. I think Cesaro almost threw up. Like after he spun him, he I never seen him do this where he walked to the corner and just like took a breath. I was like, oh shit, he's dizzy. <laughs> um, Dude, it was really good. He made this kid look like a million bucks. Didn't hurt himself at all. It didn't look bad at all. Um, he looked like a million bucks as well. This is exactly what you hope to get out of a match like this. Uh, I think, I hope Cesaro does stuff like this more often. Um, so yeah, to me, I'm going to go, this is a four, oh yeah, match. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, Dragunov is really, really good. Um, you guys have never seen him wrestle on the indies. Uh, again, he was a guy who did a lot of WXW stuff. Um, he's he's a really good wrestler. Cesaro was the perfect person to put him in the ring with. Uh, to me, it very much reminded me of the original TakeOver show where Cesaro and Sami Zayn had that three out of uh, two out of three falls match. And I love when Cesaro does this. Like I love when he comes in and he, he helps make a guy a star. I think he even did it with Aleister Black in their match when he picked the fight with Aleister Black and they had like that best, the best match on that, on that pay-per-view right before SummerSlam. Like, Cesaro is so great. And it sucks that he'll never be, like, world champion because he should be. Um, but I get it. But I, I just love Cesaro. I really do. Yeah. I think, uh, Cesaro, man, if they, if they really had the European championship, uh, and, and put emphasis on there, like, did they retire that strap? Yeah. It got, it got, it's, it's combined into the IC title. Man, I he would be like the perfect and should be like the permanent European champion. He's he's great. But yeah, I, I don't know why they can't give him the full push other than maybe the Mike Skills thing. Uh, I guess with his look, 
it's a little bit he's he's a little thin i guess you could say he is tall skinny guy but he's just so he's so strong and and is he's so impressive looking with his muscles and stuff i don't i don't know man I, I don't know why he's never really gotten the push he's not getting any younger uh so yeah, yeah. I, I, he you know i view him as a top tier guy um but and i and i think the bar man the bar overcame all kinds of challenges just in terms of like people hate Sheamus, but uh they became like one of my favorite tag teams in recent memory. So, yeah, I think everything Cesaro does, he just ends up looking like a million bucks, and I wish they would use him more. But, uh, yeah, this is a great example of how he can he can elevate talent, you know. So good for him. Uh, good for uh, Ilya Dragunov, the young man. He did an amazing job. Uh, yeah, can't wait to see more uh, out of, you know, out of this kid. And, 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 yeah, it was just a really good match. So, yeah, that got my... This I think this is actually if I look at my ratings, yeah, it's my favorite match of the night. This is my yeah, it's yeah. my showstopper. All right, moving on. We had the NXT UK Tag Team Championship match where we had Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews defeating Zach Gibson and James Drake. Uh, and Mark Coffey and Wolfgang, and we have new champions out of this one. Um, this match, you know, I think it had some good moments, some good spots. Um, I think anytime you have six guys competing, uh, it's a little tough to keep track of what's going on. And I, I would, I prefer just straight up tag team matches. But um, yeah, overall, I think this was a step above average. And I, ca- I came in at three point five. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I think. Um, I mean, the, the people in the match. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Zach Gibson and James Drake. I don't understand why they're a tag team other than the fact like they were just two guys in the UK. They're like, oh, let's put them together. Um, but the same thing you can say about, you know, uh, Andrews and, and Mod, uh, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews. Those are their other names. Um, I don't know what they're doing with Gallus. That's the thing that I don't understand. This seems like this was made for, well, uh, well, they were in Cardiff Wells. So that's the reason why. Um, Mark, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan. Yeah, they were one. they were the local boys, and they yeah. were the smallest guys in the match. Um, so it, it made sense. But this seems like Gallus eventually should be like the undisputed era of of NXT UK, and the fact that they did not put the title on Mark Coffey and Wolfgang is beyond me. I, I don't. Well, I, I don't see, understand I, is what it they're Gallus doing with those guys. or Imperium that's supposed to be the undisputed era. Well, Imperium is now the new Undisputed Era. Yeah. Well, Imperium yeah. is Ring Comp. I remember because you just like, hey, they have this very um, Imperial-looking group in NXT. It's like, yeah, they used to be called Ring Comp in yeah. WXW. Uh, you're, you're sugarcoating it. I said, man, these dudes look like Nazis. And you're like, yeah, that's their deal. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I I mean, I think Gallus is, is an impressive-looking stable. I think uh, – mm-hmm. I'd be really interested to see what happens down the line with them and Imperium. So I think there's possibilities there. Uh, it was a good match. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I think the was it the grizzled young veterans? Is that what, is that what they're going? That's, at? That, they're called grizzled young vets. Yes, yeah. Zach Gibson and James. I, I think I think you know. I think they they both have a really good look. Um, yeah, but the hometown boys had they had to come away with a feel good win. Uh, I don't necessarily see them retaining for very long, um, but I think overall it was a killer match. Some really good spots. The, the you know the smaller guys they were flying all over the place, which was great. So yeah, it was, it was fine. It was, like I said, three and a half. Oh yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Up next, we have a last man standing match with Joe Coffey uh, going over Dave Mastiff. Now, 
in a little bit of a controversial finish in that it just kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. I actually think the way he did the finish was really smart in that the ref was basically doing the Rocky, you know, double count thing. And right when he got to like nine, Mastiff's sort of trying to get, pull himself up on one of those like travel crate things and he kicked the crate so that Mastiff fell again. I thought that was really, really clever. Um, it just, I don't think it read well to the crowd, maybe because they were fight, they were brawling in the crowd and people couldn't see what happened. Um, my biggest takeaway from this, though, is I'm just hugely impressed with Dave Mastiff just as a physical specimen. I posted on uh, Wrestle Time, the official kind of Laser Time uh, wrestling community fan page on Facebook, that um, you know, I what I want to see is just like a Husky Boy match where, where you, you have like Dave Mastiff going up against like the Rhinos of the world and the Rusevs of the world, <laughs> and uh, who, who else? Like who, who else would be in there? TL. I mean, I would put Kevin Owens in there, right? Mm, yeah, he, he might be a little tall to qualify. Otis. Otis is one that I put in there as well. Just like that kind of oh, body yeah. type where they always wear a singlet. Uh, it's just, or even, um, Taz. Oh, Ta- Taz would fit in there, you know? Well, you, you know what I mean. It's basically like, yeah, it's a yeah, true, yeah. like, power lifter body. Like, well, the, the, the perfect example, and I think I put in there, like, and that match would be re- officiated by Mark Henry. You know, Mark Henry, though, was really tall, <laughs> but these are these right. guys that, like, kind of have that, like, they just look husky, but they are the strongest dudes in the. Or uh, Jim Needhart would be a good, a good example of that, right? Just like right uh, uh, or Neidhart, I should say. But yeah, just like really thick, husky dudes who are just strong as hell. And, Matt, and that's what Dave Mastiff came off as. Um, probably the most impressive thing I couldn't tell if this was a work or a shoot was the ring ropes breaking right at the beginning of the match, like that. That really added a cool dynamic to this match and made it just immediately become a brawl. Yeah, and that's what that's what I'm saying. I, I like that. I like when big dude. I love big dudes just beating the shit out of each other. And these are two of the biggest dudes in the business. Like they're just gonna beat the shit out of each just, other. Just just so, not yeah. even like tall. They're just thick dudes, you know. And there was there was a moment where he pulled out a cricket bat nice touch in the uk and hit him and just the noise like i could hear the slap from here in the u.s like it was it was intense um yeah it was, it was a really good match i think the finish took a little bit of a shine off that match so i ended up uh i, I feel like 3.75 oh yes is right about the right spot for this one for me yeah 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 up next we have the nxt uk women's championship match where we have kaylee ray defeating tony storm um, this match to me, it was just, I, I don't know, like it, they were trying to go for some storytelling with Tony Storm and she was getting emotional during the match and like they were showing her crying and stuff like that. Um, I just, I wasn't into the match. I think the finish surprised people. It came out of nowhere. It kind of was just like a dead finish that everyone's like, huh, what just happened? Um, so, you know, it wasn't a bad match. It wasn't a great match. Uh, this is the kind of match that's right there. I, let's say, I was thinking three, but it's more, now that I think back on it, it's, this is like a 2.75, ooh, yeah, territory match for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this was, I think this was the right move, by the way. Um, I think Ray is really great, and I think it, it offers up a lot more different, um, challengers, and I'm sorry, I think if they're gonna bring over Tony Storm, I think, I think Tony Storm is going to need to go to the main roster and to the to the American roster. We have they have been building her up as the ultimate 
person is kind of like with uh, Pete Dunn, where it's like, okay, we have to get you away from the UK now. Like we're going to bring you over to America. I think I think Tony Storm. I think it was her time to go. So I, th- but, I think but, this was the right move. But that's what's weird about this is I think Tony Storm has the look. She's beautiful. Let's be honest. She's she's beautiful. She also though is looks really athletic. Like you know, but in this match, she just didn't look impressive in terms of her wrestling like i actually think kaylee ray looked awesome um and so it's like i don't know that she's ready for the main roster i i could see them bringing her over to like nxt us for a little bit first maybe maybe she just needs a little bit more development time but yeah i i think i think it's hard to deny the look of tony storm and of course you want to bring her over as quickly as you can i just would hate for them to rush it when she's not necessarily ready and 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 i Dude, I get it. This is a woman who's been wrestling on the indies forever, and so it's weird to hear me say that she's not ready. No, no, no she's no, she's she does need to go to NXT. When I say America, I mean NXT US. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, because she's like, I want to say she's like twenty four or twenty five. Yeah, but she's so been, she's been wrestling to... a while. It's not like she's brand new or anything yeah. like that. It's just she she just yeah she needs a little little more work um, with the actual between the ropes stuff. But you know, and for me, this just this match just didn't. It wasn't. It just didn't do anything. So, yeah, 2.75. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up, we have the final match of the night uh, and actually was the match of the night. I should correct myself from earlier. As much as I like the Cesaro match, uh, this was for the WWE United Kingdom Championship. This was Walter defeating Tyler Bate in what many people are calling a match of the year candidate and... I cannot argue with that. Actually, yeah, this this match. So I I am now a Walter Stan. I now subscribe. I am a member of the Church of Walter. I get what people love about him. And here's what's weird. Um, so Walter, he looks like a giant in NXT UK. And what I was telling you is it's because he's there with a bunch of small people. You know, they're they're pretty short for the wrestling business. Because Walter, he's only six four. Uh, in, you know, I'm, I'm only 6'1", so it's not like, you know, he's way bigger than me, but for WWE standards, that's, that's good, but not great. Um, and I do worry if you tried to bring a guy like Walter to the main roster, would it work? And here's why. The way they position Walter is he is like, it's a David Goliath match. And especially against Tyler Bate, this was a classic David Goliath scenario of the huge unstoppable monster going up against the young upstart who just is full of piss and vinegar and wants to fight the whole time and will do everything it takes to win and he's got nothing but he's just fire he's full of fire and i think what walter's really good at and the reason i'm a huge walter stand now is he the way he makes things look he makes it look like he's manhandling people like he throws them around the ring just the i mean his his chops alone are, are amazing they're so loud and it's so stiff looking um yeah i was super impressed uh i think he and he does that great thing where when the when the baby face gets some fire and starts to make his comeback walter can kind of you know give them some offense and look you know look like they're 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 about to mount a comeback and then he does that great thing a good heel does he just squashes the comeback you know so this match was full of that full of near falls really good moments some dangerous stunt work you know in terms of some of those bumps they were taking i was like oh please be careful but man i uh yeah and then walter this is the kind of the way he he came out with the win just uh, impressive as hell i i gotta give this one four and a half oh yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. and the only reason it's not a five 
is there were a few moments where I could see through, uh, where the where the punches were just looking a little weak, um, some of the holds were looking a little weak, so stuff like that. It's probably the reason they're in NXT, not the main roster, but they they tighten that stuff up. Uh, I think Walter's strength is he makes it look real, and it's really impressive. And I, I love this match. I think if there's one match you're going to watch from this show, uh, you got to watch this because it's a match of the year contender. What about you, T.L.? Um, so here's my big thing with Tyler Bate. If I was starting a wrestling promotion today, and you said I can get any wrestler, and I can I can incubate him and like in in NFL terms, like build him to go, it's Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate is 23 years old. Tyler Bate, he has the baby he has the baby face look. He's like 5'10", but he looks like a brick shit house just because he's like in great shape, and he. There's, I've never seen a bad Tyler Bate match. Yeah, um, dude can work. Dude can absolutely work. And he's uh, isn't he? He's dating Tony Storm. Is the is behind the scenes is rumors? Yeah, could, yeah, could be, could be. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm super, I'm super into that. And I mean, Walter was literally built from like when it's like, hey, Travis, create a wrestler. It's Walter. Right, like or create, he's, create he's, a heel. Like if you, you know, it's like, hey, create like a monster wrestler and the look of that guy. It's it's Walter. No, I, just like my form of wrestlers that I love, oh, Ed yeah. Walter. Like oh, yeah. I, I, I'm just thinking, like I want a Walter Keith Lee match in in NXT, like an NXT takeover so bad. We didn't even bring up Keith Lee versus like Dave Mastiff. Like Keith, that is he. Keith Lee is a perfect example of what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah, like oh, <laughs> yeah. But Keith Lee is six. He's six five. No, Keith he's Lee's a huge. Yeah, he's he's a giant man. Yeah. He's, he's an ex football player. He's he's a like yeah. it looks like he has a, a defensive lineman body. But yeah, no, Keith Lee rules, and that's what I want to see Walter fight because, like, that just—it's just so good. Um, yeah, no, this is, of course, this match was great because those guys are great. Um, I just don't know unless you're going to put Dragon off with Walter, who Walter fights going forward because he's run through British Strong Style now, and those are kind of like your aces in NXT UK. That's why I think Gallus. I think they're trying to build up Gallus as a competing stable. Yeah, but it would have made more sense to me if you would have had Joe Coffey beat Pete Dunne at some point. Yeah. That, that's my only thing. It's like, because he couldn't beat Pete Dunne. What was he going to do against Imperium? And what's he going to do against Walter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Walter, though, what do you think of my assessment of the guy in terms of his chances on the main roster and kind of his strengths and all that? Is Are you, you kind of in line with, like, what I was saying about, like, he what he's really good at is playing that big monster? I think it could be done if you frame it right. Like, so Braun Strowman is not huge. People, like, don't, like, he's not, like, a big show level dude. He's just, like, massive. But Braun Strowman is not dude, but he's positioned, he's not huge, but he's positioned to be huge. Yeah. I think if you did the same thing with Walter, like, obviously he's not going to be, like, that big. But, I mean, we forget that Kurt Angle is, what, like, 5'11"? Like, Kurt Angle's not a huge dude. It's just, like, how he's positioned. You're like, oh, wait, he actually is huge, you know? I, yeah, I think it's just yeah, how they position. Yeah. I think it's, it's going to be how he positioned. The, the, it gets tough, though, when you start to see if you were to put, like, a Walter against a Kane. Like, a legit monster. Like, Kane, right. is, Kane is a legit – I think he's 6'11", probably legit. But they build him a 7-footer. Yeah, Undertaker, those kind of guys. It's like when you when you see them standing next to each other, that's where 6'4 just is not – by WWE standards, that tall, unfortunately. Um, so, but yeah, I think that's why I worry about him 
on the main roster, but they, they definitely seem high on Walter, and I can see it happening one day. I just I would hate for him to get lost in the shuffle because he's he's a real special performer and it just the way he makes stuff look, he makes it look real. He makes it he makes you buy into the fact that this is a guy fighting and I love that. And Tyler Bate, yeah man, he can he can take a bump all day long. Tyler Bate is what Dolph Ziggler wishes he was. There, I'll say it. Um that's <laughs> right, like same you know, same body type, same size dude, like yeah, I was actually going to say that Tony Storm is like the female Dolph Ziggler if he was good. Oof. <laughs> but right, she has that she has that same like Monty Crew Monty Crew like attitude and look. Yeah, she got the Motley Crew thing going. Yeah, that's yeah, true. that's true. She's she has that same kind of body type, and she's actually a good wrestler. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I I hate to I don't want to hate on Dolph Ziggler because like I think Ziggler has. He has his positives. I just get sick of his overselling. I think he oversells. Yep. Uh, yep. yep. I mean, I, I, we, we've definitely agreed on that multiple times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Here, here's here's the thing. So let's say they bring Tony Storm over to the main roster and Tyler Bate has to go with her because they're dating. What if we had a team of Jack Gallagher and Tyler Bate? Now we're talking, baby. Mustache. Talk about Mustache Mountain. Oh, my God. I... Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So overall, I think this show was very good. Um, I think I netted out. This is like a just from that final match alone, it really did serve to kind of elevate the entire show. Um, it. I think, man, I'm thinking four oh years for NXT Takeover Cardiff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds like a must-watch show. I. I will have to eventually watch this show all the way through. But it Every like a takeover show. is a must-watch show. <laughs> Who are we kidding? That's man? true. That is Who true. Who are we kidding? All right. Well, let's transition then into kind of our main event uh, where we start to talk about AEW All Out. So first up, we had – I'm not going to read all the names on this list. Let's just say it's the uh, – the women's battle royal match, uh, and the winner of this match is going to go on and challenge for to be the first AEW women's champion uh, on ten two. Overall, um, I think this was a fine battle royal. I, I or battle royale, if you prefer. I, um, mm. yeah, man, these battle royals are, are hit or miss for me. Uh, I think this one just came in right at the middle. This is a perfect candidate for me. Middle of the road, two and a half. Oh yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of really great talent in there, and that's I think that's the bigger thing. We're not going to go through all the names, but there's just some like there's just some really great wrestling talent. And if this is their actual um, AEW women's division, that women's division is going to be probably the best women's division like that we've seen on a main television show ever. Just because from top to bottom, the talent is so stacked. Um, obviously we had people like Allie, Austin Kong in the match, uh, Bay Presley, who was doing her, who was doing, uh, like a whole thing with, B, with, um, <coughs> with Britt Baker, which led, uh, Will Ospreay, who was Bay Presley's, uh, boyfriend to reach out to Adam Cole, who is Britt Baker's boyfriend, say, Hey, are we cool? And Adam Cole's like, yeah, but our girls don't like each other. Like, I think that's, that, I mean, that's yeah, cute stuff. Um, was that the, were those the two that had, there was reported like a, a fight after the, after the match behind the scenes? Uh, I don't think so. I didn't see any report about a fight behind the scenes. 
Um, but I don't think so. I think it's a worked. It's a worked. It's a worked thing. Okay. Uh, that uh, kind of I think even going, even yeah. Brandy, who gets knocked sometimes for her wrestling, she looked really good in this match, and uh, she yeah. had Awesome Kong backing her up, which always helps because Awesome Kong is awesome. It's right there in the name. Um, but then we we should have said the winner uh, was Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose, which is. Um, it's, I think that's very great. Nyla Rose, every time I've seen her, and I've only seen her in AEW stuff, but every time I see her, I want to see more. I think she's a tremendous wrestler. I think she has a great, I think she has a great look. I think, I think monster, I think monster, like hill wrestlers, like big strong wrestlers are like super great. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Nyla Rose and I'm glad she's in this, uh, spot, even though I don't think she's going to win the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, I think um, she might. I, I, I think she might. I, uh, by the way, the fight it was between Sadie Gibbs and uh, B Priestley or B Priestley. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, it was hmm. a legit. Yeah, and apparently they've they've had some a history of heat. So, but yeah, overall. Uh, um, so what? Wait, why don't you think Nyla Rose is going to go on to be the champ? We'll talk about it later on in the in the night. We'll talk about it in a, in a match that happens later on. All right, with her right. opponent. Cool, yes. cool, cool, cool. Next up, we have Private Party, the team of Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy defeating Jack Evans and Angelico. So in this match, yeah, Cassidy got the pin off Angelico uh, after their signature, the gin and juice move. Um, yeah, this this match. So I was listening to Jim Ross's podcast uh, earlier this week as we record this, and he made a great point. And I think it's actually my knock against this match is – when you book, he was saying, you try to book vertically, meaning you want you want your card as stacked as tall as possible with like a lot of singles competitors, not necessarily a ton of tag matches or a ton of match, or at least very least, you try not to book back-to-back tag matches. And I think coming off the Battle Royal, starting with a tag match, I don't know that that was the smartest booking decision. Uh, overall, again, this was a very middle-of-the-road match for me. I just, there, it didn't do much for me. Uh, I came in at two and a half, ooh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, TL? Yeah, um, I am a huge fan of Private Party. Um, I think those guys can be stars in uh, AEW. I think they, they, I think that they'll, they'll do a really good job. But I thought this match was just okay. I'm also not really huge on Jack Evans. I've never have been, even in his, in his ROH days. I, I find, I find him very, um, I find him very just overrated. And he's like the, when people complain about flippy wrestlers, that's who I think of is Jack Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Helico is, he's fine. Uh, but yeah, I thought this match was fine. Um, again, I love Private Party. Give me more Private Party. But I gave this about three. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 It was, it was a fine opener. All right. Cool. I guess starting with the official show, because those were, uh, you know, the, the buy-in shows, if you will. Um, let's go with the true, the AEW all-out results, starting with... Uh, the t- another tag match we got, we got SCU, the team of Christopher Daniels, who I love. I've loved him since Impact. Uh, Kazarian and Scorpio Sky defeating Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt. This match, a lot of people are saying was one of their favorite matches of the night. I think, I think Jungle Boy is over as hell. Uh, I think Luchasaurus ended up looking like probably the best competitor in this match. I think it's hard to have a bad match against the likes of Christopher Daniels. I think he's a solid worker, always has been. I've always been disappointed WWE never really gave him a shot. Um, 
Yeah, to me, though, you know, it was a very good tag match. I think it suffers from a little bit of that problem we were talking about of back-to-back tag matches. Uh, but I did come in. For me, this was really fun, some really fun moments. I think they, they got Jungle Boy to do what people love Jungle Boy. You talk about flippy wrestlers. That's kind of, you know, their deal. Um, but, yeah, man, three and a half, oh, years for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. What about you, TL? I love this match. Really? Um, what a great, fun opener. Okay, so, one, they've been throwing out names for Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt, and, like, I think one name they had was a boy, a boy, and his dinosaur. Yes. Which is, like, that's kind of a lame name, but the name they went with is Jungle Express, and I was like, fuck, that's a great name. Um, I had not watched a lot of Luchasaurus. This match sold me on Luchasaurus. This dude is a 6'5", 6'6", big dude who is doing choke slams into moonsaults and is just i i fell in love with luchasaurus in this yep. match like he he yep. did a he did he did a tope from the ring like basically like launching himself from the middle rope onto uh scorpio sky christopher daniels like it was just so great um yeah, Jungle Boy is so good. I really hope that they do what Jim Ross has been doing. And I want to say this, too, because I have been critical of Jim Ross's um, commentary. I thought his commentary on this show was great. Uh, him, Golden Boy, and Excalibur, that's your commentary team. Just go with it. Um, every time that they've done a show, I've enjoyed the commentary. Uh, but Jim Ross calling Jungle Boy uh, Jungle Jack Perry money. That's the name. That You have to just go by your name. Jungle Jack Perry. Like, that's... It was just so good. Um, the right team won. I agree with you again. Christopher Daniels deserves a fucking award. He is probably, if, if Chris Jericho isn't the best wrestler, it is Christopher Daniels because people forget Christopher Daniels is in his mid forties. Yep. Still doing this. He's been and doing he this just forever. Looks, yep. He looks great. Um, I love, I love Kaz. I love Scorpio Sky. The, I loved everything about it. Um, I'm glad SCU won. This was such a, a match. I'm going to give this four and a half. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 man, yeah. Wow. All right, man. It is to me when you talk about perfect openers, it is the perfect opener. And all in all fairness, this was the first match I watched. I went back and watched the private party match, but this was the first match I saw. So yep. I didn't, I didn't get um, that burnout, which mm-hmm. is fair. And there are going to be people who aren't going to watch a pre-show. So that was the first match I won. So as an opener, I was red hot, ready to go. I wonder if it's an indication of one of AEW's possible problems they have, which is they are going all in, uh, no pun intended, uh, or going all out with the tag division. And they, they are putting an emphasis on tag team wrestling, which is great. I love tag team wrestling. I wonder, is it at the expense of their singles competition? Because, you know, like they, they have a few marquee singles matches here. But not as many as you would expect from like, let's say, a WWE show. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, when I talk about the fact that they have like back to back to back, you know, Battle Royal and then a couple tag matches. And before we finally get our first singles match, I think that might be a problem. You know, I think um, I think it was just a tough card because you're obviously not going to put Kenny and Pac, uh, you know, first as your openers. But like, I definitely felt a little bit of that. Like, come on, another tag match. Let's get some single stuff going. So, uh, yeah. Speaking of which, up next, we had Pac going over Kenny Omega. Uh, this was the match that was supposed to be Moxley, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. And, of course, Moxley uh, had the infection in his elbow, so could not compete. Um, one of my favorite things leading up to this match was Kenny's promo that AEW put on Twitter, where it was, you know, a work shoot promo where he basically was like, 
really, dude? Like, you're going to get injured now uh, leading up to this thing? Wow, what a disappointment to the fans. Like, really, you really care about the fans and you went over to Japan to prove yourself. How'd that work out for you? Yeah, you lost your matches there. You lost in the tournament. Well done. And now you got that infection. Way to go. I love that side of Kenny. I want to see more of that side of Kenny. I know people don't like Pac or Pac if you're if you're Jim Ross, who actually, I guess, he, that Jim Ross says that's what he told him to call him. He says, my name's Pac. Yeah, he's Pac. Yeah, he's yeah. Pac. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the announcers were saying Pac. It's either, I think it's either or. The guy has an accent, so whatever. But um, I know a lot of people don't like him. I think there's been some weird issues where obviously he was supposed to fight Hangman Page and then pulled out and there were creative differences and he seems difficult. Maybe he's a little difficult to work with right now. I think this. I think where it came from is when he was in WWE, he had a very bad experience, and then again bringing back Enzo Amore, who ruins everything. He was very upset that he had to put over Enzo Amore because this wasn't Enzo with Cass. This was Enzo beating Pac by himself, one on one, for the NXT like cruiserweight championship, and that's like. What the fuck are we doing? Um, so he, he doesn't like that. And then at the time when they were going to have, cause they were obviously setting him, Hangman Page for the main event of this show. Um, they were going to have him go over, but at the time he had been undefeated in Japan for two years. And that was the story that he was telling with Dragon Gate. And he was trying to tell that story with Dragon Gate. So he did not want to lose. Like you said, I understand people are upset, but. I actually kind of understand that because Dragon Gate was his home promotion, you know? Yeah, I have always been a fan of, of Pac, or, or I know him as Neville because that's where I first got exposed to him was in NXT. I think he's amazing. I I didn't like what happened to him when he went to the main roster. I think he, he came in and he got a big push, which was great. Um, I think ultimately it's his size that goes against him on that roster. Uh, I, you know, And eventually they kind of made him... They're like trying to make him like a Hurricane Helms character. Like, oh, here's our superhero guy. But he, this guy can do things that Hurricane Helms, like Shane Helms could never do in the ring. But he's, he's really fun to watch. And this match is just proof of that. There is that one spot in this match where, uh, Kenny hits him. Well, I call it a famouser, but he basically hits him with the famouser. And Pac immediately flips back up to his feet and just stands there and kind of struts. I'm like, that is, one of the best moments in wrestling of the year period of the year right. uh, that was so good was, that is like you know how the, uh, there's like uh, when you posterize a guy in basketball it's like you dunk on him uh, I'm gonna call in wrestling that's like a gif moment when you gif gif eyes a guy or jif eyes a guy if you will um, man that was so good this match had a lot of good spots I think it gets hampered a bit by the ending which I thought was a really creative way to put on the brutalizer submission and he basically put Kenny to sleep. Uh, mm. you know, people were booing it. I think that's lame. I think, I think submission finishes are a valid way to, to close a match. I think these guys have more. I would love to see a future match between these same two guys. I think mm. the storyline they're trying to push for Kenny is that he's sort of having a down year. I think it's cool. Like, dude, we were talking earlier, like they need storylines. And so now they, the storyline they have with Kenny is obviously he has unfinished business with John Moxley. Um, not to jump too far ahead, but the storyline that's built in that they have with Pac and Hangman Adam Page, which you did you watch the after show at all? Like the the uh, where they kind of had the press conference interviewing those guys and him coming in like and yelling at Adam Page like as if it was a shoot. Like 
That felt yeah. really, really real and really cool, and there was a lot of tension there, and so that's a great storyline. So, you know, all you need – when we say storylines in wrestling, it's personal issues and personal conflicts. So now Kenny has his with Moxley, and Pac has his with a Hangman Adam Page. Um, but I do – I want to see these two come back and wrestle each other sometime in the future. I don't think it'll it'll be maybe this year. It'll be down the line. I think they have more in the tank. Overall, I was a solid – for oh yes for this match yeah 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 um yeah so this match officially told me what i was looking for with N- with uh, AEW i didn't know who were the heels who were the bad guys i didn't know what it mattered they kept on saying wins and losses matter and i was just like i don't know what the hell you're trying to tell me and then this match and then thinking about the promos that they're watching this match it clicked on me this is less wrestling. This is less wrestling soap opera analogy. This is more Ultimate Fighter. And let me expound on that. The Ultimate Fighter, how that show works, like there's good guys and bad guys, but it's who you perceive as a good guy, good guy and bad guy, where you can kind of put yourself into it, but you look at the personal rivalries and the wins and losses. Kenny Omega's story that he's telling this year is is that, like what you said, he hasn't been wrestling, not only just in AEW, but he hasn't been wrestling a lot this year. This has been probably his least amount of wrestling he's had in a year, in years. And he has not been looking like Kenny Omega. And I think that's a very important, interesting storyline, and it has me hooked. Because when does he start looking like the best bout machine? Because right now, he just looked like another dude. And he just fought Dragon Gate's top guy in Pac, and he could not beat him. After the story in New Japan was he couldn't beat he couldn't beat Okada until he did. I love that. I think this has been really great. The storytelling of this match is really great. Like you said, Matt, that 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 flip when Pac was just like no, like it was so <laughs> it made me lose my mind. Like like I think <sighs> I think people try to overuse the no sell in wrestling, but when it's done right, it is one of my favorite moments in wrestling. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was really, I thought it was really great. I think it was, I think the match was hampered only a little bit by the stuff. These guys got to only, uh, this match out within 10 days. I know that had to take a part of it. Um, I don't know who designed the ring layout, but that ring is way too short because Kenny Omega is a tall dude. We just forget that. He's about, he's about 5'10", 5'11", in person. Yeah. He's, 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 he's not short. Uh, 511 is a perfect I height. I know. I met him. 511 is a perfect height. But it's, it was still too, like, cause you saw it when he was doing flips and he was doing punches, like he was hitting the freaking guardrail. That's what's so funny is to hear you say that Kenny is having, like, he's not great this year. I'm like, this is still one of the best matches I've seen all year. Like, it's still, right. like, it's still one of the, it's way better. I, I know Seth Rollins is like, no, WWE has the best wrestling. I am sorry, but main roster WWE wrestling is not as good as AEW was able to put on this show in terms of the in-ring wrestling product. But I, uh, but yes, sorry, I interrupted what you were getting at. Yeah, dude, like this, the space between the ring and the barrier, people were almost hitting the barrier, dude. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. It's not great, especially when you have a lot of guys who do planches and stuff like it wasn't it wasn't great um but yeah i thought it was a great match um i love Pac. i love kenny omega uh this was the like i said this was kind of it was just really it was really kind of perfect i i i love it it's not a 5 yeah um but this was my showstopper this was my match of the night the headliner, the 
I loved nice. every second of this match. And to the point, like I said, I, I told Matt, I was like, hey, if you watch anything on this show, you need to watch this match. Yep. Yeah, it was really good. So what do you give it? Uh, four and a half. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Man, yeah. Nice. Very good score. Moving on, we have the Cracker Barrel Clash. Uh, Jimmy Havoc defeated Joey Janela and Darby Allen, uh, not my cousin, um, in in the hardcore match, if you will. The uh, I love the Cracker Barrel Clash, which had the one of the spots of the night when Darby Allen crashed through a Cracker Barrel barrel onto the ring steps, like. What are you doing? You're going to kill yourself. Stop. Like, it, it is memorable, but Jesus, dude, please stop. Like, there's – he also the, – the other moment it had where he he did a, a – he had a skateboard with thumbtacks thumb all over yes. it and landed and ground – he did – he grinded on Joey Janela's back and all the thumbtacks ended up in his back, which is like – if this is – if you like – these types of matches i call them hardcore matches whatever you want to call them i mean no holds bar whatever uh death yeah. some people call them death matches this was a decent one of those i think it made that it did that thing that these can sometimes happen where it went into silly territory a little bit with the paper cut segments um and the right. skateboard uh but i thought it was a super fun match i came in at a three but with the barrel spot alone and by the way cracker barrel I, kudos to you for sponsoring this match because this is not the kind of thing a, a corporate sponsor typically aligns themselves with is the hardcore. You know, typically they want the safer match. Um, but yeah, so that, that barrel spot gave it a, a 0.5. So I came in at three and a half. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have been wondering what they were going to do with like the death match. Cause like Jimmy Havoc's a legit death match wrestler. Like he, that's how he met his. That's how he like he did his whole thing in in England was like he was a deathmatch wrestler. Um, Joey Janela is going to die in a fucking ring. Those are his words, not mine. Um, and Darby Allen is is fucking Darby Allen. So I didn't know like I I didn't know what this match was. Like we even talked about like someone may die in this match. But then when I watched the match, it reminded me more of like a WWE. Or WCW, like, early 2000s hardcore match. Like, it's dangerous, but not really. Like, there weren't light tubes. That's, like, that's my, like, that's always my go-to. Like, if I see light tubes and, like, that kind of death match, then I'm like, okay. Like, what kind of bullshit are you going to do? And it's silly, and it's fun, and it's light. Like, I don't even think Jimmy Havoc really has a staple, like, staples in that staple gun. Uh, but it's a really cool visual, right? Like, you see a staple gun, and you know what a staple gun can do. Um, the Ollie spot was fun. The fun, <laughs> my favorite spot of the match, this match is a spot fest, by the way, it was great, was Joy Janela pulling out the tennis racket and then realizing that that's, that weapon would be too much. Um, I love that spot of the match. Um, it was really fun. I was really surprised Jimmy Havoc won. Not to say that there's anything wrong with Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc's a tremendous wrestler, just in general. Uh, but I, I really thought uh, Janela or Allen would be the one to win the match. Uh, but it was very interesting for me to see that Jimmy Havoc won. So I, re- I, I really did enjoy that match. Uh, this got a four. Oh yes, I was thinking wow. it was a three, wow. three seven five. But yeah, it was a four. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I really liked the start of this show a whole lot. I wish they would give Darby Allen a win. I hope he gets a win soon because I think he deserves it. He, that that dude is killing himself, like literally killing himself out there. Um, 
and I think he's over. I think people really like him, you know, and he's that kid looks he barely turned 18 man he's he's so young and he's already kind of doing this uh he has a lot of potential so yeah i i you know i guess you had someone had to win uh and yeah a lot of people seem to share that sentiment like why jimmy havoc i guess i'd say why not um but yeah man i hope i hope darby allen gets a win soon yeah and again like i said uh jimmy havoc rolls so like it's not this is not a negative thing about jimmy havoc it's just he rolls Let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about this match. <sighs> so we had our first match, kind of giving our um, our buy people who get some buy. So basically, this was a extra tournament match, a buy for the AEW Tag Team Tournament uh, match. It was the Dark Order, who is Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, versus the best friends Chucky e. T and Trent Beretta or Trent. Dark Order, aka Smash Bros, right? Like the uh, Super Smash Bros. Super yes. Smash Bros. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did not like this match at all. Uh, I think it suffered from a lot of that problems that we were talking about earlier, where you're stacking up multi. You know, you had a you had a, a three way match just right here, and now you're going directly into a tag match. I get that you do need those uh, those let me up matches, those rest matches between like spot fests like the last match, but this was boring. I don't get it, but the match gets a one and a half ooh yes from me. Like it was it is nothing nothing to write home about at all. It didn't feel like a pay per view match. Yeah. Uh-huh. Matt I hated this match. Um, <laughs> okay. At first I was lot. like I thought I was in trouble. I was like, uh oh. Uh oh. Did TL really Matt, like this match? I hate the match. Now I loved what happened at the end of the match because one of my favorite wrestlers came at the end of the match, but I hated Every second of this match, um, the Dark Order, man, I've watched a lot of Uno and Grayson wrestle forever, but this, they are as hot as a plate of cold boogers, man, like, I don't get it, I don't understand why they are not, I don't understand why they won, like, I... I hate to agree with Jim Cornette, but I don't see the appeal of the Dark Order. I really don't. I really don't. And then, like, of course, they have their movies called The Fatality, and Stu Grayson comes out with the with the Vega mask. So, like, these are all shit. Like, I should just be like, oh, I love everything about this, but I don't. I think they're very boring. Um, the best friends are really good wrestlers, so I don't understand why this match sucks so much, but it did. Uh, Matt, this got a .5 oh yeah for me. Oh yeah. So the the conclusion of this match is Dark Order wins, and then they go to attack the best friends. So who comes but my boy, Fresh Squeeze, Orange Cassidy? <laughs> oh, didn't even bother <laughs> to take his hands out of his pockets. Matt, he did a plancha from <laughs> with his hands on the floor, and he didn't lose the sunglasses. He's he's the best wrestler. And then at the end, they do the best friends hug, and then Orange Cassidy. What, is, what does he do? He doesn't even sell it. He yep. doesn't even sell it. Like, yep. oh, he's so great. He is I the world's so most relaxed wrestler. He does not care about anything, and that's his shtick. Uh, and it was really it was really funny, and that's the only thing that redeems this match. And the only reason I gave it a one and a half is the, uh, yeah, Orange Cassidy coming out there at the end, which we knew, you know, he'd, he'd been signed a little while ago, so that wasn't a surprise, but... Uh, yeah, I, I like I like the way he kind of um, well. I think he redeemed this match, quite frankly. But yeah, this match probably should not have been on a pay per view, uh, in my opinion. No, it was not great. Yeah. 
Moving on, we have the women's match where uh, Riho defeated uh, Hikaru Shida. Um, so again, we have we have back to back tag stuff. So I hate to keep harping on that, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe it was the match before this, and I don't know. It just kind of took any heat this match would have. I, I think these are both really good performers. Uh, There's nothing wrong with the match, but I there was nothing that I I would write home about. So this to me was was definitely like two and a half. Oh yeah, territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I loved this match. I thought it was a really fun match. Um, I. Of course, Riho won, and I talked about it before. Riho will be the AEW Women's Champion because she is Kenny Omega's favorite wrestler. I it it, it just is what it is. Um, so it's always been interesting to see all this stuff go th- forward. But uh, if you haven't seen a much of uh, Hikaru Shida, you should. Uh, Shida is really really great. Yeah, I just thought it was very fun. It was a very fun match. Um, but yeah, it, to me, three and a half. Oh yes, it was a very fun match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Next up, we had Cody Rhodes defeating Sean Spears in the kind of personal grudge match. Uh, let's first start. Let's talk about the entrance for Cody Rhodes, um, where they came out in Star Trek uniforms uh, with MJF in tow, looking like he was just not too happy to be wearing wearing the uniform, but was happy to be there. Let's say that. Um that was a weird entrance, man. Uh, and this is the match that in Sean Spears' corner, you, of course, had Tully Blanchard of, of Four Horsemen fame, um, which I think with the match itself, uh, this is one of those I was talking earlier about the first time I think a storyline overtook a match. Um, I think, you know, Sean Spears and, and Cody Rhodes can both go, and it was a decent match. But I think what most people are talking about and the takeaway from that match was what, T.L.? You know? Uh, my boy, Double A Arn Anderson, coming in and assisting Cody and giving Sean Spears uh, a beautiful spinebuster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Textbook spinebuster. But yeah, that that's most people's takeaway was, oh wow, two of the Horsemen are involved in this match, and now is there personal heat between those guys? Because Double A isn't going to go. Tully's not going to go. They're not. You know, although Tully. Tully looked like a million bucks and was putting in some offense, man. Like Tully, Tully looked against MJF. He was putting in some work. Right. Yeah. Arn Anderson can't go. Like that's the whole thing. Is like he, he he literally can't go. But yeah, I Tully looked great. So Cody, I've been a Cody Rhodes fan since he first started. I've always been a huge Cody fan, and I love Sean Spears. Matt, why don't I love this match? And I love the four horse of it. Why don't I love this match at all? Like, I thought this match was fine. I, I thought, like, and Cody's been having, like, these really cool, like, they're, they're, eight, they're, they're NWA matches. He's been having these really cool NWA matches, but I don't know. I just, every time I've watched them, I've just been like, like, this match I was watching, I was like, this, it wasn't as good as the Dustin match. And I don't think it was good as the tag match with the Bucks. Like, I just don't understand why they don't have that same kind of chemistry. Um, I don't know. I I love the the horseman angle to it, but for me, it was just about a three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, I'll be honest. That that was exactly my score as well. I gave this three. Oh yes, but the horseman angle, even though it did overshadow the match, I think added another quarter quarter. Oh yeah, so I ended up at three point two five. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
All right, coming up, we had Escalera de la Muerte for the AAA Tag Team Championship with Lucha Bros going over the Young Bucks in uh, what a lot of people, I think, were calling one of their matches of the night because um, it was just, you know, you put the Bucks, uh, you put Lucha Bros in a tag match or in a, in a ladder match, of course, you're going you're gonna to produce some magic. Um, I actually think, though, that it was just a good match like I, I think uh, it didn't necessarily live up to the potential that these guys have I will say one thing I did love about the match is I could tell what they were trying to do and the story they were trying to tell and did you notice in this match there were several moments I've never seen a match have so much symmetry where they would mm. they would purposely have spots where one of the Bucks would be putting in offense on one of the Lucha Bros while one of the Lucha Bros was putting in the exact same offense on the Buck and, and, and on the other Buck and they would they kept going around the ring doing this, and I thought it was a really cool visual and a really cool kind of way to tell a story athletically in a match. I think – I don't know if I'm just over ladder matches or what, but I think you really have to – I hate to say it because I hate big spots where, that are dangerous, but it's like you almost have to kill yourself in a ladder match for me to really care. It's like, oh, OK, whatever, another ladder match. But I think these guys did a noble job. Um, it was to me though just a very solid three and a half oh years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had never seen another wrestler take a fucking flipping pile driver off of a ladder, I, it will be too soon. It will be too soon. I love these guys. I love these two tag teams, but this match was a little bit too much for me, Matt. Especially after we had our cage of death literally two weeks ago. I don't want to shit on this match because I love the Young Bucks a lot and I love Lucha Bros a lot. But to me, this was like. When we talk about spot fest, like this, it just had all the spot fest things to it. And like, and some one of these guys is going to get legitimately injured. And I just didn't like how the ladder stuff was. I just didn't like how they did their falls in the ladder match. I would have just rather them have a normal ass regular tag match. That would have been fun for me. Um, if this is a blow off of a flute of a feud, I'd be glad with it. I don't want to see them wrestling anymore just because I, I can't get invested with these guys anymore. Um, but. Uh, it was still a fun match. It was still enjoyable. It's still the Young Bucks and it's still Lucha Bros. So there was bound to be definitely some goodness to it. Um, but to me, this was this was like two seven five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Split the difference. Then I'm I guess we're at, at an average of around just over three oh years. Um, maybe though we can push this to three point two five because of the ending of this match, which. Yeah, yeah. So the oh. way this match ended, you had two mask figures coming out in the. They're basically the the pres, the dead presidents from uh, from Point Break. You know, they had the, they had the masks on, and then they revealed themselves, and it was LAX. LAX came out to attack both teams, and now, like I was saying earlier, AEW is pushing their tag division, and they have some of the hottest free agents on the market in the tag division with LAX. Yeah, um, and this is this is the new version of LAX. Um, if you guys have not been watching NXT, or NXT, watching TNA, um, this is like the new version of LAX, uh, which are this is Ortiz and um, Santana. These are the new LAX. Uh, they did a lot of stuff with Beyond Wrestling. They've done they've they've been going over the circuit. They're awesome, and I actually thought WWE would have made a run for them, and they didn't. And that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But yeah. Uh, LAX fucking rules and I can't wait to see them do more stuff like I can't wait to see them in AEW going for the AEW Tag Team Championships hopefully but yeah I am a huge fan of, of LAX and I, I think they actually 
legally cannot be called LAX because I believe that um, TNA owns the, the phrase LAX. So we will see what their legal name ends up becoming. But right now it is it is Ortiz and Santana. It is the team that we know of as LAX. Yeah, everyone's calling them LAX when they talk about the show. So yeah, yeah. they're going to have to figure that out pretty soon. Next up, we have the final match of the night for the AEW World Championship. Chris Jericho defeated Hangman Adam Page in what I thought was a pretty good match. Um, this match, I think it was the stuff around the match, uh, maybe maybe elevated a bit for me. I I am not going to get over that visual of Hangman Adam Page coming in on the horse. I thought that was money. <laughs> that that was motherfucker just... came. Oh, that motherfucker came out on a horse, dude. <laughs> I thought that was great. Uh, I think I might be thinking of the the stuff after the match that is really putting it over for me. Like Jericho mm. grabbing the mic and cutting a promo on everyone backstage, telling them they should thank him for being the first champion. Him with you know the the catering with the salami and the olives and the bubbly. Uh, mm. I thought was money i could not stop laughing then when he got the belt presented to him and that poor dude who gave him the belt he just started spraying him with champagne <laughs> i thought that was so funny and it's stuff i mean it, i know it's not fair to include that stuff as part of this match review but it was a really fun just that whole thing i think you have to take that into account that's what jericho does well is he he just knows what people are going to pick up on and the match itself i think a lot of people were complaining they thought this should have been a better match i thought it was a fine match uh you know jericho was bleeding like most of that match um but yeah for me yeah. it was it was a fun match but with everything in it you know around it i i came in i i gotta give this four oh years i don't know what people are talking about jericho's money shut up this was a good match yeah 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 yeah, um, I am usually the guy that's like, hey, you should put it over your younger stars, but I'm sorry, Chris Jericho is the best wrestler in the world. It has been since probably 2002. Like, he's great. Uh, Chris was great. Um, Hangman Adam Page. I don't know why I don't love him more, because he seems like he should be a perfect baby face. So I don't know what it is. Um, but I, I think he's really. I, th I thought this match was really fun. My big negative: I really fucking hate Chris Jericho's new finish. I really hate it. I really hate it so much. It looks stupid. The stupid like back back elbow. It doesn't look good. I I hate it. Other what's than it, that, what's he call that great. one? Judas. It's the like Ju the Judas blade or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's um, it does it doesn't look like a finish. Is is the problem? It looks like a transition spot. Like yeah. I, I was expecting after he hit the elbow, I'm like, okay, he's going to go for something cool now. And no, uh, I mean, this is the man who's had how many finishes over his career. So he's, he's constantly redefining himself. I think one of my, I think the Codebreaker might be my favorite Jericho finish now because it can, it's like the RKO. It can come out of nowhere. And there, you know, he always uses it creatively now. But yeah, it, the finish, I guess, did take a little bit of shine out this match because it's like, oh, he did an elbow. Great. Uh, unless you know, unless you're Dusty or one of Dusty's kids using the bionic elbow, I don't know that you can get away with that anymore. But um, yeah, I, I thought the match was totally fine. But for me, it's the stuff around it. I could not agree with you more that I get that you want to push young talent. And by the way, guys, that's what Jericho's there to do. He's putting over this. You know, he made Adam Page look like a million bucks. He'll make anyone he wrestles look like a million bucks. But for your first champion, the guy holding your belt, 
you want this to be Chris Jericho. You want this to be a seasoned veteran who knows what he's doing, who's going to put shine on that belt, who's going to elevate that belt. You need a champion that people have heard of. You can't put that belt on someone that people outside of wrestling have never heard of. People who are not regular wrestling fans or viewers, they still know the Jericho name because he's from the Attitude Era. So it makes sense. You have to put the belt on him to bring some attention to your promotion. I hate to say it, but that's why TNA or Impact Wrestling or whatever they're calling themselves at the time, they went back to the well of guys like Hogan and stuff because people know who those guys are. And yes, it sucks for the young talent, but the hope there is that they give the young talent the rub so that they then people will learn about that young talent. So it's a no-brainer. Of course you put that belt on Jericho. Why wouldn't you? Come on. Yeah. I think the difference is we know that they have a vested interest in building their own talent. Or building like these the faces that no one's seen. And it's good to have a you know a new guard in. And quite honestly, when TNA first started, it did that. Like it brought in Jeff Jarrett and it brought in uh you know, it brought in Ken Shamrock, but they realized like AJ Styles was like the next guy. I think the Hogan stuff with TNA where people got upset was we had established stars in TNA and then you just put them over for whoever did we didn't want. I think that's, I think this is a different subject. So I, I would, I would caution people from being upset about this because I think at the end of the day, Chris Jericho being your champion is not a problem whatsoever. And if you thought it was a problem, New Japan wanted to put the title on him too. So everyone thinks New Japan is the smartest thing, smartest company in the business. You know, uh, Chris Jericho could still go. He's healthy. I, I am. Very eager to see the matches he's going to have, and when they do have a babyface, because think about, think about if they give Jericho the title for the year, and then they spend a whole year building up like Jungle Boy, like for two years, and then bring him over Chris Jericho. Like, think about the pop that happens with that, or any kind of babyface that they build up, right? Or Darby Allen, like we talked about Darby Allen. Okay, you you pick two guys <laughs> that it is not going to be. It is not going to be either one of those guys, dude. No, but I'm just no, but I'm saying, or even Kenny Omega, and that's the end of his story. Like he's like he finally gets his win streak back, and then he beats Chris Jericho, who he lost to at the first thing. I don't think so. It's a little preview of the next next pay per view. I, I don't think Cody's going to take that belt off Jericho. I don't Absolutely think Cody's going to win. No, I, I think that's going to be a good match. But um, yeah, I think I think Cody gets handed the loss in that match. And Jericho, you're right. I think I think they position it against someone uh, someone like a Kenny uh, Moxley. Actually, the most obvious answer is Moxley. Uh, yeah, when, more than when likely. Yeah. Or I wouldn't mind. I think I think Pac deserves it. I, mean, I I I like watching Pac wrestle, dude. I think he's amazing. All right, so that is it for our review of AEW All Out. Overall, I'm kind of middle of the road with this pay-per-view. Uh, they had a couple really good highlights for me. But all overall, I think this was probably their weakest show to date. Um, it's very middle of the road. I, I'm, I had to go into – this is three oh yeah territory for me. It's not bad by, by any means. It's just like, yeah, there were, there, were some, there were some stuff that I was just like, yeah, that's okay. Uh, and there was just a few highlights. But, yeah, for me, it's very – you know what? No, three isn't fair. Let's say 3.25. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 This is my favorite AEW show. What? <laughs> this was my favorite one because I actually knew what the show was and I actually felt like I know where this is going and I felt very like I enjoyed watching a lot of the matches. I fell in love with the wrestler. His name was Luchasaurus. He's a wrestling dinosaur. I love him. Um, 
I I really I really enjoyed this show. I would say this is a three seven five for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh wow! All right, split the difference. Three and a half for for between the two of us. Three and a half. Oh yes, for AEW All Out 2019. And the good news: uh, Tony Khan already said this is coming back every Labor Day weekend. They want to do an All Out show. Put it in Jacksonville, you coward. Do it for my birthday. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah. Next up is a little segment where we go around and count down our top three things currently going on around the world of wrestling in what we like to call the three count. We like the Backstreet Boys in sync too. Britney Spears is kind of cute. We watch TRL on MTV. Everybody three count. One, two, three. One, two, three. All right, TL, give it to me. What is your number three? Matthew, I love a good rat. I love a good wrestling wedding and it looks like every wrestler in the world is getting married uh so we have of course uh we had the announcement i think after our show actually launched um the 102 that becky uh becky lynch got her man in seth rollins they are now officially engaged to get married and then bailey it looks like bailey ended up getting married and then also sean spears we talked about Earlier, he ended up uh, getting married to his longtime girlfriend, Peyton Rose. So I am just, I am, I am elated with love right now, Matthew. And I really just enjoy uh, the fact that all these wrestlers are finding happiness in the world of professional wrestling. I hate it. Uh, And here's why. (laughs) Uh, I mean, good for them. I'm happy for them that they're in love. Um, Wrestling relationships almost never end well and usually end up causing a lot of locker room drama and bullshit. And so it's really nice that they're getting married. I think um, I just worry about their careers and their futures. And I mean, whatever, like it's up to them to figure out. But uh, yeah, it's nice that they're getting married. Let's see how this ultimately affects things down the road. But hey, best of luck to them. Yeah. All right. So for me, my number three in our three count, I'm going to go with the WWE 2K uh, commercials. Uh, Man, I love the stuff they've been doing with Becky the Man Lynch. Uh, The one in particular that I really loved. uh, So if you haven't seen them, these commercials feature a lot of... um, you know, WWE classic stars. Uh, and then of course, Becky and Roman Reigns are there as kind of the newcomers and, you know, in these, the vaunted halls. But I love that they have like nods to Roddy Piper in, in there with, with the scenery. I think he's like an ice sculpture. Uh, you know, they, they do feature, uh, Hulk Hogan. So yeah, if that is something you're not into, you might want to avoid those. Uh, but they feature my man, my favorite wrestler of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, and then the most recent trailer is my favorite where, um, you have a bunch of classic stars saying, yeah, man, it's, you know, who knows who's the man right now, but, uh, yeah, there's definitely no question about who was the man in our day and it's stone cold looking at Hulk Hogan. And then you hear sting chime in and go, yeah, definitely no question. And then you have Bret Hart go, yep, none at all. And then Shawn Michaels comes from out of the wings and goes, yeah, none, none at all. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you just see like, uh, basically like my one of uh, that's almost my Mount Rushmore of wrestlers right there is uh that was it's a super cool spot um the marketing is working it is making me excited for the game yeah it is very they're very fun and then like I saw somebody uh, I think it was Brandon Stroud from Uprocks talk about like and what you don't see is everybody did beating the shit out of Steam 
um, in the back in the background. But yeah, uh, no, they've been very fun. I'm really intrigued with this game. That I'm pretty sure I'm going to pay way too much money for. <laughs> All right, what's your number two, TL? Uh, my number two. Speaking of Shawn Michaels, um, WWE put out a video of Shawn Michaels, Jeff Jarrett, and the Road Dog, Jesse James, watching a match, and it was Shawn Michaels said it was one of his most underrated matches of his career. It was a match between Shawn Michaels versus Jeff Jarrett. Um, and they just watched the match, and I thought it was very fun. I really love watching old wrestlers watch their matches, especially someone like Sean, who, like, very famously does not watch his matches back. Um, so this was, it was a really cool thing, and I always find those very informative. What do they call those? Is that the same thing they had, like, Johnny Gargano watching the SummerSlam? Like, they have a, I think they have a name for that. No, no, no. Those are, so those are watch-alongs, but this was a separate one. Like, they do, like, they've done it with, like, the New Day going back to, like, their previous matches. Like, they'll go back and watch old, like, old wrestlers will watch their old matches and kind of look at, at their old match. Okay. Well, my number two, I'm going to go, I mean, I can, I can either call this UK wrestling or maybe just European wrestling. Um, but for some reason, I am really into, well, I mean, obviously we have, you know, NXT TakeOver UK Cardiff, but, Outside of that, you know, guys like Pete Dunne coming and competing at the last regular uh, NXT TakeOver show. Uh, guys like Jack Gallagher, which uh, you're going to hear about very shortly. Um, yeah, the TakeOver show, the crowds, just something about European wrestlers right now. Man, I am into it. I think it's fun. I think it's a nice change of pace. I really wish, and actually I tweeted this one time at William Regal, and he responded to me. I said, man, I really would, I would love to see on WWE programming them try traditional British uh, rest, or European wrestling rules where they actually – it's more like boxing where they like take match breaks and stuff. I would just love to see how that could play out in professional wrestling. And he responded. He goes, yeah, it's something I'd love to try as well. We'll see. But man, I – I would love to see that, but I, I am into it. It's just a nice change of pace. I know everyone's super always hype about Japanese wrestling, and that's great. I sort of have a theory. I'd love to bounce off UTL. You know, people talk about there's no such things as territories anymore, wrestling territories, you know, where you talk about like Mid-South and, and uh, Oregon wrestling or even here in San, San Francisco wrestling. But I almost think the countries now – are your territories where you have like New Japan and it's a distinct style there and then you have Europe and there's there's promotions there in distinct styles and then you have you know on in, in America it's mostly WWE product and there's a few promotions I know we're not truly back to the territory days but I think it's the closest that I've ever really seen because I wasn't paying attention to the smaller territories in the 80s it was all about right. WWF for me so it, I think it does give it a little bit of that territory feel of you can watch different wrestling promotions and then the most exciting moments are always when one wrestler crosses over from one promotion to another that's that'll always be like it's like marvel dc man that there'll always be the most exciting thing in wrestling is when someone you didn't expect comes out there right no i think that's i think that's absolutely true and i think i think we always lose the fact like the reason why different shows felt different was because they kind of took from different you know different different styles um ecw is I mean, it is a Japanese style, like even like the hardcore stuff, because it was like taken from FMW in Japan, which is like some wild fucked up shit. Right. And then like our Ring of Honor was very much trying to be like Noah, uh, which was another Japanese promotion. And I think we're I think because we've had now this ability to see things globally, it's a lot easier to look at that stuff now and be like, oh, this is where this is coming from. This is why this is important. This is why this matters. This is why this is really good. I agree with you. I think it's very important when stuff like that happens. All right. So give us your number one in our three count. All right, Matt. 
so we've talked about all these great matches, and I think some of these matches were great. But I actually had a five star oh yeah match. Is this the match I sent you? I sent you the link to? Or I told you you should watch? It was not. It was a good match. Uh, This was on NXT television, Matt. Why this wasn't on a takeover, I don't know. But for the love of Christ, everyone should go out of their way to go watch Donovan Dijovic versus Keith Lee. And one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life. Um, this is the, I told you to watch that. This. this is the match I said you gotta see that Keith Lee match. This is the one. Oh, is this the one you, oh, you did yeah, send this to me? Yeah. yeah okay. This is very similar to the Cesaro match we were talking about earlier. It starts really slow. Right. But man, this match builds and it's like, it's gotta be like a 20 plus minute match, right? Or maybe, maybe even longer. Yeah. And dude, it culminates with some, it goes some places. Um, let's, let me just go through some of the highlights. Um, Donovan Dijevic, who's a big dude, he's got to be, what, 6'5", 6'6", mm-hmm. uh, 200, 270, 280 pounds. He's doing, like, a flip off the top ropes. Keith Lee catches his ass in midair and picks him up and power bombs him. Uh, they do a Spanish fly, which is a a spinning, like, a, a moonsault in the air while you, like, grab somebody. And it's these two big dudes. Uh, Donovan Dijevic does, like, this insane plancha to the outside Matthew I don't understand like that it, it's to me it's the perfect mess, wrestling match it is right now one of my favorite matches of the year it is the best match I've seen since our last takeover show it should have been on takeover it probably would have been my match of the night on takeover I love it please let these guys fight again on a takeover show that's the only thing I'm asking well you didn't even talk about the ending like the the actual oh so the- <laughs> You go in expecting. I was try. I was wanting to hate Donovan. I was like, "Oh, you, you're coming off as this like arrogant guy." And Keith Lee was obviously the crowd favorite. By the end of that match, you are cheering for him, and he is he he is getting pounded by Keith Lee, and ultimately he pulls out the win. And you're like, "How did this happen?" Like I was shocked at that ending, dude. It's a good match. So please go out of your way and watch it. It's my favorite thing in wrestling this week. Yep. This, yep. I love it. All right. Well, my number one, if you've been listening to us this show, and if you have been with us this long, thank you for listening. But my number one, we've talked about him a few times. It's the bubbly. A little bit of the bubbly. It's the goat. Chris Jericho is, and viral Jericho is, is the goat. He is the hottest thing in wrestling right now. People can't stop talking about him. He is my number one in the three count. The number one thing going in wrestling right now is, Anything Chris Jericho does, whether whether it's you know fighting a match, whether it's it's a spraying a dude with champagne and calling it the bubbly, a little bit of the bubbly, whether it's losing the championship belt, what this guy can do no wrong. People love it, and he gets a response out of people. The internet loves it. Smarks love it. Chris Jericho is goat, man. It's uh, it's really fun to watch him. I this late in his career, and this is a dude who's almost fifty. And he continues to redefine himself, and he continues to be relevant, and he doesn't hold young talent down. Uh, at least, as far as I know, I've never heard any stories of that. He he always seems to push the young talent and make them look better. Um, dude, I was so upset when him and Kevin Owens broke up uh, when he in his last WWE run. And so the fact that he's back at it, and he's relevant, and he's someone that I can't wait to watch again is like, he's an, he's he's the GOAT, dude. Jericho is money, and that's all I can say about it. Yeah. He definitely is. He's 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 just so good. I, I've never understood. I, I don't see how anyone can ever deny him. And yeah, he should be the champion easily. Yeah, easily. absolutely. 
All right, now is our final segment uh, of the show where we basically want to give you guys a match that it's your homework for the show. It's called the homework segment. Uh, it's the, or as TL, you've put here in the notes, I like this, the main event of the evening. Uh, this is the match that you should go watch after this. This is our personal recommendation. So let's start with yours, TL. Uh, yes. So you talked about 205 Live earlier, and I have been a big fan of 205 Live. I would have to recommend Jack Gallagher versus, who has been the breakout of the King of the Ring tournament, actually, Chad Gable, in what's considered, like, it's a classic match. Those two, so this was on 205 Live on July 16th of this year. Those two had a exhibition. I think it was 30 minutes. It's, it's their second match, too. And the first one was yeah. no slouch either. The first one was really good as well. Right. Uh, but uh, this one was really great. Uh, this It had no lulls. It had no breaks. I really wish people who like who run those shows, who run SmackDown and Raw, watch that match. Cause I, I can't think they've done and not have had those guys on the pay-per-view. Because it was that kind of a match. I yeah, love it so I, much. I told you, 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 you told me to watch it. I watched it. I immediately went and, mo- and watched the first one and loved it. Uh, my first question to you was like, how come these guys haven't done the third, the third and final match on a pay per view? Because actually, Gable's gone over both times. Uh, first time, it was a going to be a double count situation. Gable ran back in the ring. Uh, Gallagher went to get in and it kind of fell down. And so he got, he barely made it, uh, but it was like at 10, 10 and a half seconds. So he got counted out. Uh, in the second match, he also ended up losing in a really, really, really tough finish. Um, so I, I'm like expecting there to be a payoff match, like a third pay-per-view match between these two. The problem is like, there's, there, I don't think there's a real storyline there. It was just like they had a killer match and they're like, we got to have these guys fight again. Um, and now you're right. Gable's getting a big push in the King of the Ring tournament. And so unfortunately, I, I'm afraid he's leaving Gallagher behind a little bit, which right. is a shame because these two are money together. It, it It's weird because Gable is almost like cheating in 205 Live because he looks big for that division because he's so he's so yoked, you know, right. um, versus Gallagher, who. Is fun, you know. I immediately then went and watched his shoot fight videos. Like this is a good dude who can actually beat your ass. He's like a real MMA fighter who knows what he's doing. But he's just so skinny and small. But he and I love his persona that he's just like this kind of like British boxing dude who who hits hard and and he is an amazing worker. This is an amazing match. You owe it to yourself. No one watches two hundred five live. Actually, my biggest knock against the match isn't these two guys. It's the crowd. Shame on you. You should have been a hotter crowd. There should have been more people there to see this because this was a. Classic. So watch that yeah. from 205 Live, July 16th of this year. I don't know why WWE, like, instead of making NXT two hours, just do NXT 205 Live as one, as one large show on, on USA Network because it should, that show needs more eyes on it. It's so, it's too fucking good not to have more eyes on it. I think the problem with it is it's taped. I think, don't they tape it after Raw? So it's like, they it's tape like it after a fourth. Smackdown. It's like a third or fourth hour of people being in an arena. They're exhausted and they always seem yeah. like that, you know, um, or sometimes I think it looks like the crowds aren't even in. Like they start, they tape it before the show and it, the arena is always half empty, uh, which is a shame. My, uh, main event of the evening 
I was talking about Walter earlier and I was talking about Walter's style and unique way of manhandling people and throwing them around the ring and looking like a monster despite the fact that he's not like a huge dude or anything. Um, the perfect example of that, in addition to the Tyler Bate match we already spoke about, there is a match uh, with Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, versus Walter at PWG All-Star Weekend 13 Night 2 from 2017. Boy, that's a mouthful. It is basically like it's the same match as the Tyler Bate match, you know, in terms of what Walter's doing and how he plays it. But it's, it's just, if you love the Tyler Bate match and, and like me think it's match of the year candidate, go back and watch this match. Same deal. Um, this is, this is a five, ooh, yeah, match. And it really shows you what's special about Walter. Uh, this guy's been doing it forever. I think he's been wrestling since 09 or, or maybe even earlier than that. Um, he's been at it quite a while. Uh, but yeah, this is, it's a great match. Um, I really love it. Obviously, Zack Saber Jr. takes bumps like nobody's business and he's flying around the ring. And then Walter does that great thing where he just cuts off any comebacks he has, uh, really puts the hurt on him, makes it look real, make really like lays it in, makes it look, uh, snug. It's a really good match. And, um, yeah, if you, if you have not seen Walter before, go watch these two matches and I challenge you not to be a Walter fan. Yeah, uh, you showed me this match, but I have seen this. Again, hashtag watch PWG. Um, I, uh, <laughs> Walter and PWG was so great. I think that's actually what got him signed by WWE. Uh, and then Zack Sabre Jr. is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, we did talk about, a lot about New Japan Pro Wrestler, New Japan Pro Wrestling's Royal Cup stuff that they did in England, but he was super great in that, and he lost the title to Tanahashi. So, uh, I'm really interested to see what they are going to do going forward, but yeah. It's super great. Um, again, like I said, more Walter, please. Just give me Walter Keith Lee. I actually think their last match at PWG was Walter Keith Lee and another big dude. Um, I actually know. I think it's Walter. I think their last PWG match was Walter Keith Lee and Matt Riddle. So yeah, like that, that match sounds like it would be right up everybody's alley as well. Yep. That has been it for Cheap Popcast 103. I have been your host, Matthew Allen, joined by T.L. Foster, and that has been the best wrestling podcast there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Oh, yeah, dig it. Look at you, nice hair, idiot. What's your name? I don't care. Shut your mouth. All the cops can't believe it. Paramedics. Huh? Where were you when I was bleeding to death? Standing around like a bunch of morons. Look at you, giant idiot. What's your name?